Well, good morning, everyone. As Tyler has already said, uh, we don't have any new info to give you guys, and as soon as we do, we will certainly uh, give that to you, just like you, day by day, kind of functioning, trying to figure out uh, what's the next steps as the world kind of begins to open up. Uh, but one thing we do know, and that one thing we do know is that next week, Johnny Eubanks will be bringing the message. And so um, please pray for Johnny, shoot him a text, um, talk to him, encourage him um, as he is going to continue the journey through Matthew for us. I'm excited about that and I hope you are as well. Well, to kick off this morning, uh, maybe just as way of illustration and for 27 bonus points, I'm going to lower the bonus points because you guys are getting greedy with them, um, but for 27 bonus points, uh, what are these? Okay, now you got that. That was pretty easy. But what if I said that these were not the same, that these two things were not the same? Um, and only one person could really tell that, and that would be me in this situation because you're looking front on, but I can see something different. Uh, so if I take one of these off and I open it up, we can rightly say that it's a banana, and it's a banana because it bears the fruit inside of a banana. But this one is nothing. There's nothing in here. It's just a shell. And so on the outside, though it may look like a banana, it's really just the peel of a banana. And so today, I use that as illustration because today the question in the text is going to arise is, who has the authority to judge real and false fruit. Or another way we could say it is this, who has the authority to eternally judge the difference between real and false faith? That's what's going to come up in the passage. And, and so if I had to label the, the sermon with a title, maybe we could call it something along the lines of fruity authority or something like that. Who has the authority to, to truly judge fruit? Now I want us to be careful. I want us to be really careful because as soon as I say that, it's easy to tune out right now. And it's easy to tune out right now um, because we'll say something like this, okay, Troy, I, I get it. It's Jesus. Jesus has the authority to, to judge fruit. Uh, but I want to remind us of two things. Please don't tune out because number one, every time the scriptures are opened, every single time, um, the Holy Spirit is doing something to us through them. So number one, as we open the text today, God wants to speak to you and He wants to speak to me as we go through this text. Um, and then number two, um, the issue of the authority to judge fruitiness or uh, real faith versus a false faith is what ultimately gets Christ crucified. So this issue of His ability to see within and see the difference between real and false faith it's what leads to the cross. This is a humongous moment for us to know in our minds, but also to feel in our hearts so that we can understand rightly Christ and His love for us. So if God be gracious in our time today, we'll see just that unfold before our eyes. God's authority through Christ uh, to judge the fruit in the hearts of men. Um, and we're going to see that through a miracle, um, a debate, and then through two parables that Jesus is going to tell. So back in our journey, Matthew 21, we'll begin in verse 18 today, and we'll make it all the way through verse 46 to see these things. So let's look at this together. Verse 18, to begin with, we have an object lesson. 
in the morning as Jesus was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree uh, by the wayside, he went to it and he found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Now this is big because in the context, what's going on here is, is remember we're at Passover. Passover is the time where fig trees are supposed to be dormant. So there, there shouldn't be any fruit on any of the fig trees because they're, they're dormant. But that's exactly Christ's point. This is the object lesson He's trying to give to us. He, he's trying to show that this one fig tree, for whatever reason, was advertising itself with leaves. All of the rest of the fig trees during this time being dormant wouldn't have bore any leaves, so this one fig tree stood out. It was, it was, it was proud among the rest, showing its leaves, therefore advertising that it should have fruit in it. And so Jesus goes to it and he, he points it out and he says, you don't bear fruit. And so this is the object lesson showing that Christ is the one who has authority to judge eternally real fruit versus false fruit. He goes on to say this, verse 20, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, now we've already seen this in uh, chapter 17, verse 20-ish. Uh, so it, it, we're not going to get into a study again of what does it mean to move mountains. If, if you're curious about that, go listen to that sermon. Um, but here's what he says. Uh, even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Verse 22, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So, so the point is this. The point is just simply that real faith works. Real faith doesn't just say that it's faith. It shows itself that it has faith and it, it accomplishes things. Um, maybe an illustration would be, we can pop it on the screen right here, okay? Um, so this, this top image right here that you're looking at is a Jeep Hurricane. Now, you can't get one of these, but buddy, this sucker is sharp, isn't it? It is so sharp that it comes with a price tag of $2 million. Okay, it's so expensive that, that nobody can, can really use this. Okay, but it's beautiful. It is shiny, it is pristine, and it looks pretty. Now, let's leave that up there, but I'm also going to show you something right here, now watch this. Now that is motion. That is power. Okay, this is really pretty, but this has an engine that drives through the mud and muck. And that's what Jesus is saying is real faith works. It's not just pretty. It's not just shiny. It doesn't just say that it's something. It proves that it's something. And Jesus has authority to show this. And so false faith looks pretty, but it doesn't have any power. Real faith may sometimes look messy, but buddy, it has the ability to plow us through the mud holes of life and ultimately into eternity.
Well, let's keep going. So Jesus gives us this object lesson first to prove that He has authority um, to judge real and false faith. But now there's going to be a debate. And in this debate, He's going to do the exact same thing. So let's look at verse 23. And again, the authority is exactly what they hated about Jesus. Verse 23, And when He entered the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came up to Him as He was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Who gave you this authority to do these miracles? Yes, but who gave you authority to do these miracles and then to say the things that you're saying, to say that you have this authority to inspect internal fruit? Verse 24, And Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. So as we all know, questions are sometimes more effective than statements. And so this is what Jesus is going to do. He's not going to answer them with a statement. He's going to answer them with a question and draw them to, to make them think about their question. Verse 25, the baptism of John, where did it come from? From heaven or from man? As they discussed it amongst themselves, saying this, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe them? So, so in other words, since John said that Christ was the Lamb of God who came to forgive the sins of men, John said that, so if we say that John came from heaven, then we shouldn't be questioning his authority and we should believe John. So how are we going to answer this question? you see what's, what's going on here? Verse 26, But if we say, from man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So in other words, if we say that John was from man, the people are going to revolt, so we're stuck. We've just questioned Jesus' authority. John the Baptist clearly said he had authority, but we can't affirm John the Baptist. But if we don't affirm John the Baptist, then the people are going to think that we don't have any authority because we disagree with him that he was a prophet. See, this is, this is tricky. It's an awesome thing that Jesus has just done, flexing his authority. Verse 27, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. They cop out. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So they question his authority. So he shows that they don't even have the ability to judge rightly. Therefore, they certainly don't have authority even to question him. So Jesus shows that he has authority through this object lesson. And now he shows this authority powerfully through this debate. And then he's going to show his authority through two parables as he goes on. Verse 28, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and he said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and he went. So the first son says no, but then he repents and then he goes to work. And he went to the other son. And he said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. So the second son says, I'm in. Look at my leaves. Look how shiny I am. I, I'm in. I, I'm going gonna to do what you want me to do. But 
then he doesn't do anything. Verse 31, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. And that's the point. And so the point is, I'm inspecting fruit and I have authority to do this. And the way that I do that is I inspect based on not speech, but on actions, by literal fruit, by what's on the inside coming out. And then Jesus says, and He says something awesome here. Here's what He says. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. He says two things. He says, here's the way that I inspect that the scum who bear fruit are of the kingdom, but the shiny who don't bear fruit are of the devil. This is a powerful thing, verse 32. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. You can see how that's a punch back to just what just occurred. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. And so I, I base my authority. You're asking me about my authority. I do have authority, and I'm judging you right now is what Jesus is saying. And I'm judging you based off the question that you brought to me about, well, what, do we, what do we do? Who gives you this authority? So I'm going to take it back to John. He told you what was right and you didn't believe, and so I'm judging you based on that. But I'm not just judging you based on what He said. I'm basing you on the judgment on the fact that you bear no fruit, religious leaders. But the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all of them, they believed Him and they bore fruit. And so I judge them as well, but I grant to them life, and we'll get to that in a second. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe Him. You have no authority to judge religious leaders, but I do because I am the authority. He gives another parable. So He gives the parable of the two sons, then parable number two showing that He has authority to eternally judge both uh, true and false fruit. Verse 33, and I'm going to insert some words here just to go through it so that we don't have to throw out a key beforehand to understand this. I think you'll be able to track along. Here another parable. Verse 33, there was a master of a house, God, who planted a vineyard, Israel. And he put a fence around it and he dug a wine press, meaning that he, he, he did this uh, expecting fruit, expecting for there to be a wine pressing, the, the product of fruitfulness in it. And he built a tower and he leased it to tenants, the religious leaders of the day. And he went into another country. Verse 34, And when the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants, the prophets, to the tenants, the religious leaders, to get his fruit. Watch this. And the tenants, the religious leaders, took his servants, the prophets, and beat one. Now in that moment, he gave them grace. They killed another. And in that moment, the owner still gave them grace, and they stoned another. And the owner still gave them grace, verse 36. And again, he sent other servants. He sent more prophets, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Verse 37. 
And finally, which is still grace, and finally He sent His Son to them. Do you see where this is going? Saying, they will respect My Son, Jesus. The one they're questioning about the authority. But when the tenants saw the Son, when the religious leaders saw the Son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill Him and have His inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? <laughs> this is so good. He now has given them a question that they respond back to. And they said to him, and they don't, they don't even truly at this point, they don't really understand it, but they're about to understand it. They said, we're going to demand justice. Surely the owner is going to demand justice at this point. He'll put those wretches to a miserable death and, and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruit in their season. Now they just said it. They've said what Jesus is trying to say to them. Do you see what's going on here in verse 42? And Jesus says to them, you're asking about authority and you claim to have no authority. But watch this. Have you never read in the scriptures? Surely if you had authority, you would have read this in the Scriptures and understand this in the Scriptures. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. In other words, I'm the one. I'm the one who has the authority to give life because I am the authority. I am the cornerstone. I am the one that you just were talking about. I am the one who, who, who not only has the authority uh, to judge internal fruit, whether it's false fruit um, or whether it's real fruit, but I am the son that you're going to kill and I am the son uh, that my father is going to bring judgment against you. I'm the one. I have the authority. And I also have the authority not only to grant life, but I have the authority to grant a crushing blow. Watch this. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone shall be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, here it is, it will crush him. Verse 45, so did they get it? Did they finally understand what he was saying? In this case, 100% they got it finally. Verse 45, and when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Something that started way back with a fruit tree that then filtered and continued linear theme all the way through this about who has the authority to inspect fruit and to judge fruit eternally. They're finally understanding. And they hear Him saying, I have the authority. And I'm telling you that you don't have any fruit, religious leaders. Verse 46, so how do they respond? Did they get it? Yeah, they got it. But how do they respond? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to uh, trigger the very gunshot that they've just been warned about. Verse 46, And although they were seeking to arrest Him, they feared the crowds because they held Him to be a prophet. 
And so Christ authoritatively foretells of this horrifying justice that He alone can bring, and they, seeking to arrest Him, rush to bring it to pass. Well, how do you end such a clear teaching on the authority of Christ to judge fruit? How do you, how do you end that? I want to say just a couple of things as we wrap it up. Number one, we end it by being reminded that a life of fruit matters personally. A life of fruit matters personally. All of Israel had just laid down their cloaks at Jesus' entering into Jerusalem. Do you remember that? Just uh, one or two sermons before this one? All of Israel had just laid down the cloaks to worship Jesus, but they won't bear fruit. Many of them won't bear fruit, and this is the point of this. It should remind us that fruit matters personally. I said this at the beginning of the quarantine that I was challenged with, and I really believe, and I really believe this has taken place in a lot of people's lives, that in this season, it's going to be a season, oddly enough, that the Lord is inspecting our fruit and what we idolize and what we worship and what we spend time on and what our, what our passions center around. When everything is taken away and all there really is is laid bare our fruit, what, what does your fruit look like in this time? This is either going to be a time to grow spiritually or it's going to be a time to grow selfishly. And I've seen that all over the spectrum, man. I see people all over the place who are growing spiritually by leaps and bounds, who are bearing fruit during this season. I hear of couples who are praying together and kids who are studying the Word and diving in and thinking about how much um, value they place in their friendships with other people and how much value they really see in Christ as, as their chief value through marriage and through friendships. And, and as God's removed sports, people realize this, that really doesn't matter. I mean, people, some, some people are growing by leaps and bounds and praise the Lord for that. But at the same time, there are other people who are using this as a season to get bitter and to get angry and our anger and bitterness and self-centeredness shows us that we really do idolize all the things around us that we're missing out on in this moment. And so, what do we walk away from this passage? It causes us to think, and it causes us to show that a life of fruit really does matter personally, and it causes us to a season of self-examination. And I pray you'll do that today, even as we sing just a minute, that, that you'll examine personally what does bearing fruit look like for you in this season? And then number two, it reminds us that a life of fruit matters not only personally, but matters spiritually. It matters big time spiritually. The cornerstone illustration that Jesus gave really is a gracious warning. It's a gracious warning that right now Jesus is serving as the capstone. And a capstone would have been the center uh, stone placed in an archway. And that's the linchpin that held everything up. That's the, the linchpin. It's grace. Right now, Christ in His grace is saying, Look, I have authority to judge the hearts of men. And I have the authority to judge false fruit versus true feet. And, and I'm telling you that in grace as the capstone. I, I'm serving as a hedge of protection for you. 
But why this matters to us spiritually is because Christ also warns that at one point or at some point coming, He will remove Himself as the capstone and become the crushing stone. That's the justice that came in that second parable. And and He tells us that in love to warn us that His grace right now is very gracious, but His grace doesn't last forever. At some point it turns to justice. So he says, I have the authority, and in my grace, I'm telling you that I have this authority. So yeah, it matters personally, but it 100% matters for us to think about uh, fruit mattering spiritually. So what fruits are you expressing? If Jesus only would give us a list of fruits, right, in Scripture, what is he talking about? What fruit should I be bearing? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, a passion for the Word, a passion for prayer, and more than all of that, a heart that beats to repent often and always and and call into our self-self-examination. What are we posting on Facebook? What are we saying to our friends? What are we texting? What are we feeding our family? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about food here. I mean, you know where I'm getting at. Like, are we pushing, like, are we savoring and craving the gospel more today than we did yesterday? Are we bearing spiritual fruit? It matters. So perhaps the best way to end this whole sermon is where we began it. To remember that crazy event that Christ did at that fig tree. You know, in that moment, can't you see the disciples looking at Jesus going, Jesus, what on earth are you doing? Are you crazy, Jesus? It's just a, it's just a tree, brother. Ease up. What are you doing? But isn't it Christ's consistent story to crush something else instead of crushing men. Isn't that his story? I remember when Christ punished the pigs instead of punishing the demoniac? Um, do you remember when Christ punished the temple tables and he began to flip the temple tables instead of instantly giving a crushing blow to the people who were selling and buying behind those tables? Didn't Christ punish the fig tree instead of instantly going and crushing all the religious leaders who were not bearing fruit? Didn't Christ punish Himself instead of us? So believer, worship. Worship greatly that Christ tells us, and and He is our substitute righteousness, so that when we don't bear fruit in repentance, we find grace meeting us there and producing fruit in us. But let's never forget that, believers, that grace doesn't leave us fruitless and cover the fact that we're just leaves without fruit. True grace and a true understanding of grace will flood us with fruit and not just leaves. And then unbelievers... This calls you, like the religious leaders, to contemplate who has the authority to judge between false fruit 
and real fruit is Christ. It is Christ alone. Would you surrender to Him today? Would you repent of your sins? Would you repent of your fruitlessness? Would you uh, confess that He's the only one who bore true and righteous fruit? And then would you surrender your life to Him? This is a call for you. He's being gracious to you right now as a cornerstone and not a crushing stone. Let's worship together. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for this whole section on fruit. <laughs> um, but that that fruit stories and the fruit debate and the fruit miracle really would have a lasting impact on us and would mold us and change us tomorrow. Mold us like the potter molds the clay. Lord Jesus, we love you. Use us for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.